Vibrations Podcast, Part 27, Dr. Rona Buchanan. Hi, I'm Gary Brightman, and this is my bi-weekly podcast called Vibrations. Established in 2018, Vibe is a book and music shop situated in Moiwo on Lantau Island in Hong Kong. So what's been happening at the shop over the past weeks? Moiwo seems to have quietened down recently for a couple of reasons, I think. Firstly, the summer is now here and the weather is less predictable and has recently been wet. Secondly, the schools are starting to break up for the summer holidays and expats, as they do every year, are heading back to their home countries for the summer. I do wonder how many will be coming back this year though. Today is a public holiday for the Dragon Boat Festival and that should bring local families over to Lantau to visit their elderly parents and relatives. Tayo has its usual annual gathering, festivities and parade. We've now cleared out a lot of stock for free as part of the ongoing Vibe version 2.0 reboot. We've expanded our stock concession with Shirley Johnson's Lantau Wren and now sell a wider range of her products including tote bags, hand, face and beach towels, cufflinks, umbrellas, mugs, t-shirts and much much more. A reminder that we sell all four areas of Hong Kong government printed hiking maps. We now sell a wider range of greetings cards. Cards for every occasion, including humorous, as well as Sally Bunker's botanical paintings, blank cards. We have many types of wrapping paper in stock also, so finally you don't need to necessarily leave Lantau to find some gifts. The Vibe version 2.0 reboot is far from over yet though and we still have some surprises in store for you. So keep listening to our podcasts and don't forget to subscribe to us on social media. For good reasons, our past few podcasts have deviated slightly from Lantau Businesses and People, which is my original focus for interviews. So the next few interviews see me getting back on track with local vet Dr Rona Buchanan and gym owner Tony Gormley. Both Scottish, by the way. There's another theme. Dr Rona Buchanan has a wealth of experience since qualifying as a vet many years ago. She worked for four years with PDSA, a UK animal-based charity caring for the health of all domestic pets of those with low income. A further four years as a self-employed locum, working the length and breadth of the UK. Many of the practices she covered were one vet clinics, where she ended up covering for the owners on a repeat basis. Four years as a veterinary director for Cats Protection, a UK animal charity where she was heavily involved in supervising the welfare and care of all the cats rescued by the charity. She liaised with the veterinary clinics, providing treatment and also with UK universities ensuring the cats in her practices were receiving the best and most modern standard of veterinary care. Over the last 14 years, as part of her managerial roles, she's been proactively involved in coaching and mentoring young vets both in UK and in Hong Kong. Given there was no provision for a veterinary service on Peng Chow, Dr Rona has now launched Peng Chow Veterinary Home Visit Service, aiming to service the area of Peng Chow and the Outer Islands. She can only provide a home visit service and is therefore limited to the services that she can provide. However, when it's clear that any pet requires more attention than she can provide, e.g. radiology, surgery or hospitalisation, she has an excellent working relationship with many vet hospitals on Lantau and Hong Kong Island and can arrange a referral. 
She therefore offers a basic diagnosis and treatment of most conditions and of course preventative health care, vaccinations, flea, tick and worm control. She can also assist owners looking to leave Hong Kong. She is able to source and supply most medications and food supplements given 48 hours notice. So welcome to Vibe Rona. Thank you very much Gary. So as we do we're going to start off with 10 questions. Do you have a favourite book or author? Favourite author and a series of books. Mm. Uh, Diana Gabaldon and the series is called Outlander. The ninth book in the series is about to be published. Uh, it comes out in November and I'm hoping you're going to stock it because I'll be rushing in here to buy a copy and it, it's the, the last the latest one is Go Tell the Bees okay. that I have gone. Weird how I found these books. It was I'm going back 30 years and I was at a, a, a car boot sale. Okay. And I spotted this cover and I looked at the synopsis at the back and I thought, oh, that sounds quite interesting. Yes. And then I was hooked. Wow. It's and, nice when you find an author like that, isn't it, I think? And again, there's so much... I don't want to, you know, I don't want to spoil it for people, but it's, it involves time travel, it involves a lot of Scottish history. Very accurately ah, done. She's done okay. her research so well. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I always sort of say it's the almost opposite of the Highlander movie. Okay. Which was absolutely yeah. ghastly. The history in that was just <laughs> diabolical. But it has now been also turned into a TV series, Amazon right. Prime. Um, and they did it very well. And Diana yeah. was actually involved in the oh. casting and, okay. and and everything about it. Yes. Costumes are superb. So if there's any exiled Scots out there that haven't watched it, do. You will get homesick, though. And moving on to your favourite musical artist... Depends on my mood. Uh, this is where I, I, I reckon I've got a triple personality. I was okay. born on the cusp of cancer and Gemini, and there's all sorts of bits to me. Right. When I'm sort of feeling a little bit sentimental for home, it's a band called Runrig. Okay, yeah, I've heard of Runrig, yeah. Uh, that takes Scottish folk music to a different level but, yeah. and, and incorporate rock, and they're unfortunately they're now disbanded. So I love them. Um, Okay. When I was a student, I was into prog rock. Okay. Um, I listened to Yes. Oh right. Brilliant. A lot. They were my probably the they were the band that helped me get through university. Right. Yes. They were my background music. Yes. But I'm also into the classics. Um, yeah. And I I I lived for a while with a, a professional musician, and he introduced me to jazz. Okay. But right. Um, almost the real abstract jazz. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I had to be a little bit tipsy before I could really relax and enjoy <laughs> yes. it. Preferred drink? Oh, again, I can maybe sort of say, again, it depends on my mood. Um, yep. And the company as well, but anything from a good quality gin and tonic through to yeah. uh, a decent malt whiskey. Um, and sometimes I will enjoy a pint of Murphy's or a Guinness. Do you have a life motto? I think my key one that I always wake up to is treat others as you would want to be treated yourself. Yeah. One of Rabbi Burns' poems, To a Louse. Yes. God gave us the grace to see others, see ourselves as others see us. See it, yes. Do you have a favourite Hong Kong walk? Oh, it's got to be anything around Peng Chow. Tell us a little bit more about Peng Chow then. Well, right, let's, how do, why did I end up in Peng Chow? We'll, we'll come back to how I got to Hong Kong. But yes. how I got to Peng Chow was when I was offered a job here, I, I, I did a five-day interview over here and I was shown Discovery Bay, I was shown Kennedy Town, okay. I was shown Port Fulham and I thought, oh, no, 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 this is not <laughs> me. So when I actually, once I signed the contract, I had six yeah. weeks, so I got online. 
and I've right. researched and I researched and I researched. I liked the look of Sai Kung. Yes. But yes. I could see that the commute was unrealistic. It's a bit remote, yeah. So I, uh, to, yeah, I landed on the Friday to start on the Monday. On Monday, yeah. And I hopped on a ferry to Peng Chau on the Saturday, really to see if it was feasible. Yes. Now the job that I first came to Hong Kong for was in Sai Pun. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. And yeah. the apartment I've got is about three minutes from the pier. Wow. So my commute yeah, into town nice was about walk. 35 minutes. And mm. I, literally, I, I got pointed in the direction of the local ironmongery lady, who's also the yeah. was the agent for Paloma Bay. And she took yeah. me, and I got managed to get my hands on the last yeah. upper story flat Ooh. with a sea view. Oh, nice. And I'm looking straight across... Yeah, over to this direction, towards DB. Well, to the direction. Trappist Monastery. And to Trappist Monastery, brilliant. Yeah, you know, and you. you know, I've got that sunset every night. Yes. And then I, you know, I just wandered around Peng Chau, and oh, it's, it has changed a bit in the last four years. You know, when I arrived, it was very, very local. Yeah. Um, it was all local restaurants. There was a couple of Thai restaurants, still one, and there yeah. was uh, a bar had just opened called the Old China Hand. Okay. Um, unfortunately, it's closed at the moment because of the COVID restrictions. But I got talking to yeah. the barman there, and I just, I just fell in love with the place. But moving on, how has it evolved? In the, I see a lot of changes, accelerating with COVID, but starting with the troubles, yeah. where people were escaping Hong Kong, main Hong Kong. Yes. And thinking, where can we go for the day that will be safe? Yeah. And it started that way, and they were coming to Peng Chau. Then, of yeah. course, with COVID, and yeah. nobody being able to travel. Yeah. And the beaches being closed. Yes. We were invaded. Wow, yeah. And so it has, there's been one, there's a couple of places that have opened up recently. One is a gorgeous little cafe, uh, the Island Grocer Table. It's a couple of local girls. It's not open on a Monday and Tuesday. It closes about seven o'clock at night, but it's become a little village hub again. Brilliant. Um, and then the other thing is a guy that's uh, set up a tennis training facility called Second Serve. Okay. So he's actually got this sort of, well, I can't describe it, but it's a really clever system for teaching tennis indoors. Yeah. And he's yeah. assigned part of the yeah. building to um, a couple of Filipino girls. Who okay. have now, I've got a little cafe running there. Yeah. And it's, it's lovely too. So Peng Chau has sort of modernised a little bit. Do you have, this is quite topical now, favourite Hong Kong restaurant? Actually, I do. Now, this is going to seem strange because I used to think I was mm. an obligate carnivore. Okay. But yeah. it's actually Hemingway's. Oh, yes, in DB. In DB. <laughs> yes. And I would never have believed that vegan food could be ah. as they produce it. You Interesting. Know, the, their pizzas are delicious. They, they yeah. manage to produce the equivalent of cheese. Right, right. And they use jackfruit for meat. And honestly, I'd, okay. I'd, 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 I could have been taken in there. And yes. not shown the menu, and people yeah. put food down in front of me and not think it was vegetarian That's interesting. or vegan, even. Walking up to the peak and faced with a python. What would you do? Oh, that's an interesting one. And yeah, we can have an aside story. I would just, first of all, I would just stand still and admire it and hope it would slither off. Yeah. But it, uh, you know, it does lead me into an experience that I had once. I was opening a brand new veterinary clinic for one of the corporates that I worked for. And we invited uh, people that did rescue of exotic species. And okay. one of the animals that they had rescued was called Valentino. And Valentino yeah. was about 12 foot long and was a boa constrictor. Wow. <laughs> okay. And I just couldn't resist. I had to yeah. pick him up. 
I, in fact, I, so I ended up with them draped around my neck. And then one of That's the real, real characters of the place that I lived in the time called Drumfield, a guy called Howard Copley, he's oh, a real character. Yeah. Uh, a bit of a music critic, actually. <laughs> he, he dared me and he pointed to the co-op that was next door and he said, do you see that sign? It says, no dogs allowed. It doesn't mention snakes. <laughs> Brilliant. The inevitable happened. Yes. But actually, the people in the shop thought it was hilarious too. Really? Yeah, I got away with it. So you, so you actually went in with the snake a boa constrictor ne- around my your neck. neck. Yep. Did anybody come out screaming? <laughs> not really. Not yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, think I, I would have. <laughs> well, you yeah. know, he was. I had him fairly well under control. He was yeah. an adorable beast. He really was. Yeah, wow. he'd been rescued from people that didn't fully appreciate the size he was going get to get to. Yeah. And the family that were uh, that had him, they literally had turned their very large garden into yeah. a complete reservation for these rescued animals they had raccoons they had meerkats they had everything <laughs> what's the best advice you were ever given professional advice from my lecturers i would have to say that it was them pointing out that i had two eyes two ears and two hands for a damn good reason yeah and it was also never to try and look at the broader picture of what yeah. was going on with animals yes rather than rushing in I, you know when yeah. I think back to me when I was 30 I would have sacked myself god knows how many times <laughs> you know I used to get up on so- soap boxes and just oh dear I can remember once when I was in the civil service somebody tapping me and saying Rona stop rocking the boat they'll throw you out of it <laughs> wind it in <laughs> wind it in wind your neck in finish this sentence I live in Hong Kong because I was bored in the UK. I decided it was time to look for a challenge. And I was actually a bit tiddly in the way when it happened. Literally what happened was I was working for this was a massively successful veterinary corporate now. I had started with them when they were tiny. Right. And to an extent, I was the builder and the architect of what uh. they then developed to be. And I, I suddenly realized that the fun had gone out of it. Instead of yeah. being a builder and an architect, I'd become a maintenance manager. Yeah, and I, I wasn't waking up on a Monday morning looking forward to getting in my car and driving off. Yeah. So on New Year's Day, I opened up the veterinary record, which is the main sort yeah. of, uh, where to find jobs, and there was this job advertised in Hong Kong. Really, that's interesting. And it was it was for what was at that time. Well, I think it probably still is the biggest veterinary group in yeah. Hong Kong. Uh, which will remain nameless. Yeah, okay. Um, and the, they had clinics in China and clinics in Hong Kong and one in Singapore, but I wasn't going to be involved with anything other than the Hong Kong ones. Yes. And I, I was, you know, the main part of my interview was with the investors and they'd, they really wanted somebody with my level of experience to go mm. in and sort of try and steer things in a certain direction. So, but I fell in love with Hong Kong. Yeah. So I then, I, I then moved on and did a six month stint with one of the charities yeah. that was interesting and I, I gained a lot from it about animal welfare in Hong Kong yeah and this was four years ago this was kind uh, well of I was with the first yeah, yeah it was 2017 when yeah. I landed yeah. I was with the first group for about 18 months then I was with um, the charity for about six months mm. then I sort of set myself up as an independent consultant um, and helped a small uh, some local investors set up a clinic in okay. Kennedy town um, did that for six months. Then I worked with a group in Singapore remotely because COVID had kicked in. But during all of this, I was being sort of being approached by people on pain saying, "We haven't got a vet. We haven't got a vet." 
I yeah. also did some locum yeah. work, and I, I, I'm happy to mention the name of this group for Creature Comforts who do home oh, visits. Yes, I've heard of them. Yeah, and they do it so well. So I almost yeah cut my teeth on what you know what looked like a good home yeah. visit service with them, but they okay. don't cover the outer islands. Do you have a favourite area of Hong Kong? <laughs> I think you've got, you've got that one. Yes, you? I think I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It has to be Peng Chao. Peng Chao. It has yeah. to be. It's home. Okay, so we heard earlier on about 2017, you answer an ad, you come to Hong Kong, and then you start working here. Since then, what, what, how has things developed? Well, I've gone very much from the business aspect yes. to the clinical aspect. Yeah. But I still keep my business brain on. Right, okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always available for anybody, to be honest, in any service industry. Okay. To give advice. But what I think I, I realised was that there was, not only was there a business niche yeah. for what I'm doing now, there yeah. was also a need. Yeah, okay. And I think it was probably the need that drove me more than it's interesting. the niche. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people will say to me, well, why don't you have your own clinic? Well, that would be a seriously major financial commitment and potential yeah. milestone. Yes, yeah. And as long as I prepared to accept the limitations of what I can offer people, yeah. so that to an extent I'm, I, I will at times just triage and say, look, I can't yeah. help you, you must go to another clinic. Yeah. The other thing, of course, I'm on my own, so yeah. I can't be available 24 hours. Yes. And this yeah. is something I, 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 anybody listening to this and think, oh, I want her to be my vet, please be considerate of this fact. Yeah. I will yeah. help whenever I possibly can. Yeah. But I can't be all things to all people. And I see your, you know, your hours you keep on your card there, eight until six p.m. You know, outside of that. Yeah. I, I have, roughly. Roughly, I, I do yeah. have to say that I, 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 I kind of screen my WhatsApps. Yes. Yeah. And if I see something that is obviously an animal in distress, yeah, I won't get you know if it's something very very close to me and round yeah. the corner, and that has happened on the odd occasion, I will go and help. Yeah. But if it's if it's not feasible for me to get to that animal, I will yeah. pick up and I will say to people, look, it sounds as if your cat, a good example, has got a blocked bladder. This can yeah. be very serious. And no, this must not wait until the morning. Yes. You yeah. need to find a way. So at least you give people some pointers and advice mm -hmm. in the you right know, I'm, Even then, I can't always guarantee that I will pick yeah. up because obviously if I'm out at dinner party, phone switched off. Yeah. But whenever possible, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a vet and I do care about the animals. Yeah, yeah. So I will do my best to offer advice, but yeah. I, I can't be I can't be available. As you time. say, there's only one Rona, you know, yeah. you, you can't do. Yeah. I mean, our good friends, you know, um, Tails, Eslin. Oh, fabulous. Crew, I do work you for know. them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then, of course, uh, the wonderful Orca. Yeah, and Orca as well. Yeah. 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 Well, Orca, I actually do, I have a, a regular stint mm. in uh, Moi Wu every Wednesday. Yeah. Orca gets the first slot so I can okay, vaccinate cool. all her dogs. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, depend. I, I I can usually do two or three other private visits yeah. at the same time, you yeah. know, on the same day. Um, Eslin, she yeah. fosters quite a lot of animals over in Discovery Bay, and I will yes. see them there. Yeah. Um, and I also work with Paws Foundation that are based in town, but they do a lot of fostering in DB as well. Yeah. So I literally do a lot of work with all of them, giving yeah. them a pretty healthy discount on my fees. <laughs> but I, what I'm really impressed with, and I I I I really want to labor this point because yeah these charities what all seem to pull together and cooperate with each other and yeah. this was something that when i previously worked for a charity 
I wasn't so aware of. There yeah. seemed to be rivalries, right? We need to grab all the all the donations, and they. Mm. But yeah. these guys, you know, I just cannot believe how how closely they work together. Yeah, yeah. And there's no rivalry and jealousy between them. Yeah, that's good. You know, yeah. um. Orca, uh, uh, Orca prefers dogs, Esslin prefers cats. Yes, true, yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah. uh, but occasionally uh, Esslin will have a dog that she's struggling with and Orca yeah. will will help out by taking it to the kennels yes. and getting Sarah, the behaviourist, yes. that they, they all use to help. So it, it's almost it's almost like a team of teams, which yeah. is fabulous. It is fabulous, isn't it? It's good to see and it's good to, that there isn't any of that rivalry. The right thing is happening for... The dog and cat. Population. If I could have done one thing in Hong Kong, I would have liked to have replicate what happened in the UK around about the time that I was involved in charities. And there was an organisation set up uh, called the Association of Dog and Cat Homes. Okay. And what then, what happened there was that the big boys like the SPCA, Cats Protection, yeah. Blue Cross, encouraged the smaller groups to join yeah. up. And 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 then offer them advice and guidance. But sometimes they found okay. that these smaller groups had some excellent ideas. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. and 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 they learn as well. Yeah. Um, there's one one group in the UK at the moment that I'm absolutely fascinated by called uh, Rescue for Dogs, yeah. and they are doing non-kennel situation. The dogs uh, they have a huge amount of ground, which obviously we can't do in Hong Kong. Yeah. And the dogs are split into compatible groups. Right. And they're allowed to sort of. The, basically, the dogs are the therapists. Wow! Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I'd recommend anybody interested in, in in animal welfare. Yeah. What they're really doing is they're treating dogs as dogs yeah. should be. Yes. Yeah. And well, that's what I. You know, I. I. You may cringe here, but I, I always like to watch Caesar Milano, and she did cringe, by the way. <laughs> but what 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 was always came across with that is that he was basically training. The owners he, he wasn't mm. necessarily dealing with a dog or a bad dog or a bad cat it was more the behaviors of the owners not doing the right absolutely thing you know and totally yeah there are very few bad dogs in this world yeah they're not necessarily born bad, bad. yeah and you know and we as humans do have a tend tendency to anthropomorphize with our dogs yeah and our cats yeah and also, to some cat owners think that dog uh, cats are small dogs. They're not. They all have very <laughs> different needs. Yeah, yeah. Very different yeah. needs. And quite often, especially with cats, I will often see that some of the health issues mm. are a result of stress factors coming from the environment that the cat is in. And trying to persuade owners to adjust the way that they see yeah. a cat. Oh, haven't you? That's yes. a totally different... Yeah. But, it, yeah. you know, it, it is... I... I when I was with Cats Protection, which is part of my background, um, I worked with one of the top animal behaviourists at that time, a girl called Rachel Casey, and I learnt so much from her about this okay. aspect of the environment of an animal yes. impacting yeah. on its health. And to an extent, moving through and going back to what I'm doing now, so often by doing yeah. a house call, I can achieve a lot more. Yeah. seeing the animal in an artificial environment yes. in the clinic uh, you know I can often get them to be, be relaxed That's I can also yeah. see how they're interacting with the owner Yes, uh, I can see a lot of things how things are set up, yeah. how they can move around, what they're allowed to do etc yeah. yeah. you know, more often than not 90% of the time the animals will be more relaxed with me, Yeah. the only odd one that difference to that is 
The biggest issue vets have when dealing with animals is fear aggression. Now, with some animals, they completely freeze yeah. fear aggression in the consult room. These are the ones that when you yeah. see them at home, I've got enough self-confidence and are territorial. Yeah. And they'll say, you're not getting near me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I have faced that with one or two, two cases yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, cats in particular can be quite tricky. You were trained as a vet to deal with any animals? All vets, well, all vets, know, all vets in the UK are trained. It's ridiculous. You might plan never to be yeah. uh, anything other than a small animal vet, yeah, or you okay. might plan to never be anything other than a, a farm vet, but you have yeah. to do the whole curriculum, right? which puts a lot of pressure on the curriculum. It's, yeah. a, it's a tough old course. Yes. And there is a lot of arguments within the veterinary profession that there should be the opportunity to diversity yeah. to diverge yes uh, and, and take the pressure off because it's a, what a five year seven year uh most college uh, vet schools are five years yeah um there are the odd ones where it's seven and they also do a sandwich yeah. course cambridge is the classic they yeah. thought uh, they had the theory probably quite rightly that you could bring out a more rounded personality if they did yeah. a further degree in something completely different whilst at university. Do you have a favourite sort of animal? You you were saying Eslin's cats and Ocker's dogs, yeah. What's what's Rona? I have to say, I, it's probably the dog that I first rescued when I came to Hong Kong. Um, she's just a little street dog. And Lucy is the most intelligent creature I have oh. ever come across. Yeah. She cons considers herself my bodyguard. <laughs> she's also the most amazing judgment of character. Yeah. The quicker Lucy accepts somebody and allows them to stroke yeah. her, the more confidence I have that that's somebody that I should get to know. She's okay. quite a character. Um, yeah. I also love horses. That should come out as well, but yeah. I can't afford to, to get on them. Yeah. It's one of the things I miss from Scotland yeah. is just being able to oh, yeah. get, you know, get on a horse and just head for the hills. Uh, what was your earlier life? like and why did you go into being a vet right if we go right back uh, i was born in aberdeenshire but quickly moved to perthshire to a very agricultural area i very quickly realized that i had an affinity mm. to animals also my mother's yeah. background and my grandfather's background and my great-grandfather's background my mother was a riding instructress before the war my grandfather uh, had a, a uh, had a ranch in Rhodesia post Boer War, and he bred horses. Yeah. yeah. And going right back, um, my grandparents originated from the island of Lewis, and they wow. and his father was the only farrier and horsebreaker on the island of Lewis. <laughs> so that you know there was a strong gene yes, there. Yes. Yeah. On the other side, my father was probably one of the original dropout bank managers, stroke financiers, and he became a youth <laughs> hostel warden. Change. He had quite a shrewd yeah. business brain on him. I suppose I was very, very fortunate. I lived in the, a youth hostel in the midst of nowhere. Yeah. Didn't have the opportunity to travel, but to an extent I didn't need to because the world came to us. In the winter, I was able to ski. Yeah. In, in, in a place Brilliant. called Glen Shee. Oh. And in the summer, um, I was riding horses. You know, I would come back yeah. from school grab my dog at the time it was a, a, a Jack Russell and I just head for the hills Jack Russell. you know yeah, yeah. my my part was hundreds of thousands of acres that yeah. I could just free roam in so, so I was a complete tomboy yeah yeah complete yeah complete tomboy <laughs> and yeah I suppose I can remember at one stage you know sort of, I, I did actually think about becoming an architect because I wasn't sure that mm. I would cope with the emotional trauma of having to euthanize animals yes and I did that get over must that must be tough I, I went back to it 
you know, I just it, it was always in me that I wanted mm. to work with animals. Um, also, my you know, I, my mother said after, after at one point I was going to pack up, and my mother pointed out to me that if I wanted to follow her steps, mm. I would always end up working with other people's horses and never owning my own. True. Yeah. Yeah. Now, at one point when yeah. I lived in Northern Ireland, I got a bit carried away, and <laughs> I had five of my own. <laughs> Yeah, it was in my genes. I went to Glasgow Vet School, managed to plough my way through that within the five years. Uh, wanted to work with horses, but I quickly realised that horses are wonderful, but sometimes their owners are not so wonderful. Okay. Um, I, the Glasgow course was a bit weak on horses, so I then moved to Ed, uh, Edinburgh Vet School as a, mm. a, an intern in the equine department, did a yeah. year there. Then I went into farm practice. Then I ended up in the civil service in Northern Ireland and discovered I wasn't very good at being civil or being a servant. That's another story. Uh, Northern yeah. Ireland was... I love Northern Ireland. Uh, yeah, my son was beautiful. born over there. Oh, OK. Yeah, so he was born in Ballymoney. Wow. I remember my husband saying to me when he came to the... Because I didn't want him there when I was actually uh, popping the, the child out. He yeah. said to me, I've worked it out on the way here. Um, you're Scottish so you can play for Scotland. I'm English, so he can play for England. He's been born in Ireland, so he can play for Ireland, and I wouldn't want him to play for Wales anyway. Sorry to all Welsh people. <laughs> yes, yes. And he wasn't talking about football. <laughs> yeah, right. Brilliant. So yeah, so then yeah, he had options. <laughs> yeah, then I, you know, then I decided. I can remember, you know, this is probably quite interesting as well. Mm. Uh, I, you know, I was still working in farm work, and I can remember one morning, one o'clock in the morning, having had to take an oversized calf out of a heifer that shouldn't have been bred to the bull it was and being livid with the farmer and then even more livid with him and he says ah you'll need to wash your hands lass and he produced this bucket of water that had about an inch of ice on the top and that was the best he could do oh my god and i thought i've had enough of this yeah. So at that point, I didn't feel as if my exp- I, 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 I needed more practical experience in small animal. So I joined a group called the People's Dispensary for Sick Animals. Okay. I worked for them for four years. Um, and that was a real baptism of fire because so, so busy. You know, we would, you know, we, uh, when I look at the, the work rate of, of vets in Hong Kong and they think they're busy if they see half a dozen people a day, we were seeing... 30 people in morning consults wow. and going into theatre and thinking oh gosh there's only 12 on the board <laughs> you know so yeah. it, it was so I worked for them then I I ended up setting up as a a, a, sort of a locum vet travelling the length and breadth yeah. of the UK um, and specialising in one man bands and covering those okay However, I'd also had an injury to my neck, partly from my horse riding activities and partly because I had a rear end shunt and I did have a, yeah. I, I had two yeah. uh, neck uh, discs that prolapsed. So I am, I can justifiably be called a bit of a cow, so I've got a cervical arthrodesis. Doesn't affect me much, yeah. but where it did affect me was in theatre. Yeah. So if you're bending over, my fingers would go numb. Then one day I saw this advert for regional director required for a corporate, and this was a group called CVS UK Limited, and I joined right. them, and yeah. I was with them for eight years. Yeah. And it was a rocky road. Yeah. But it yeah. led me to then working with the other group, IVC Evidentia. Yeah. The one that I've mentioned. Yeah. And I have to, and I'm going to mention a name here, and if if sometime he he actually listens to this, thank you, David. Hillier. He was the CEO and just the most astonishing boss I have ever had. Um, right. It was interesting. One of his Bibles was a book called, a business management book called Good yeah. to Great. Right. 
which is a fascinating book for anybody in business. It 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 was almost an analysis of uh, American corporates mm. uh, and looking at them within a ten year span and the ones that had been good. Okay. And how they evolved, and some went on yeah. to be great, yeah. and others disappeared. Right. And what this book what did is that? it they looked at the reasons as to what made yeah. the great ones succeed. David really applied a lot of yeah. the learnings in that book. Okay. So it's a book I would recommend to anybody yeah. in business. I was with them for eight years. I can remember, it wasn't so much an interview. I was headhunted and I can, I was visualising this today. We, I met up for coffee with David Hillier and one of the founding vets. And it was such an informal conversation. And I can remember them saying to me, Rona, we're interested in learning from you. Not what CVS is doing right, but what are yeah. they doing that is wrong and how can we avoid it? There's a lot I can say about that. But the biggest thing that I said to them was, don't uh, respect your ex-owners, especially those that have got successful yeah. clinics. Yeah. And succession plan. Very succession key. planning, succession planning was key. Yeah. So it was a case of those ex-owners, are you're going to want to move them up into middle management. Yeah. But then if they move up, you've then yeah. got to look within the, the clinics as to who's going to step into their shoes. Yes, yeah. You need another leader. It might be yeah. another vet. Yeah. It might be the it might be a nurse. Yeah. Don't always assume that your highest earning vet is going yeah. to be your best leader. Quite opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we then took it a stage further because these yeah. four or five year ex experienced vets were going up to the clinical director role and leaving a vacuum. Yeah, void. So this is the ranks. thing that I'm really proud of. I then we then suggested that we set up something called a new graduate training academy because the most difficult years of a vet's life are probably yeah. the first two and if they get the wrong job, right, it's catastrophic to the extent it can be tragic. At best we'll leave the profession yeah. and sometimes take it a stage further. Total waste. Uh, yeah, and you know, the, 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 the yeah. incident of suicide within mm. the veterinary profession Mm. is deemed to be the highest of any profession and a lot you know yeah. and I, I would beg any any pet owner take this on board mm. when you feel as being critical of your own your vets or a vet that you have seen on social media yeah please do not do it all right so there you are your past you then apply for a job you come to hong kong 2017 and here you are in your dream place, Peng Chow, mm -hmm. and now you're self-employed, working uh, the daytimes. How do you get work at the moment? Is it largely referral? Oh, do you it's so much now. When I yeah. started, uh, you know, I started with a, a core of friends. Yeah. I, I work pretty hard on Facebook. My webpage at the moment, which is apparent, is, is, is down for numerous reasons. Okay. I did a little bit of work on that. I did quite a bit on Facebook. And, I, you know, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd learned about marketing yeah. in my business life. But it's more and more now just personal recommendation. It's snowballing. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. what I am hearing is that people are mentioning me on forums. Okay. Yeah. So it, 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 it's, it's word of mouth. Yeah. Which is, of course, the most powerful marketing tool. Oh, what, you know, what's my next move? I don't really yeah. have one. I'm going to carry on doing what I'm doing. And a rescue dog will always mm. be a special dog. Yeah. So yeah. all of you people thinking about getting a dog out there, don't buy rescue yeah exactly rescue the options are here the options are with mm, so many with, variables yeah. with with tails as well yeah yeah, yeah. if what if somebody wants to get in touch right with well Rona? facebook page island home vet 
I think it's Adam Phone Home Vet Service. Yes. I'm quite happy to give out my WhatsApp number, but please, please remember, I am only one person. Yeah. I will do my best to respond when I can. And that you're based on Peng Chow. And I'm based on Peng Chow. Yeah. I do come to Moy Wool quite regularly. I do go to DB quite regularly. DB, I'm probably a couple of days a week. Peng Chow, I kind of fit in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm completely working on my own. I'm lucky I've got some great management software that does a lot of the admin for me. Yeah. But I do yeah. need quite a bit of office time. But my number is nine zero one two two five nine five. Okay, all right. Um, uh, what sort of people would come to you? I mean, I don't know. Let's say, let's give my example. I'm I've got three dogs, um, of varying ages. They generally are healthy, have a good life. Mm-hmm. Um, what could you offer me? Right, what I always say to people is I can offer anything that doesn't involve an anaesthetic or requirement for an x-ray or okay. hospitalisation. Um, yeah. I can, in certain circumstances, if I can find myself an extra pair of hands and the dog's fairly handleable, uh, run bloods, yeah. because I can send that to a laboratory. But again, okay. I'm erring uh, caution there. Certainly can deal with vaccinations, including rabies, microchipping, uh, going to a more okay. emotive subject again, at, you know, it, it, it's timing on this, but I do do what I call end of life consultations. Ah, so that's interesting. Um, okay. You know, and it, yeah, and again, this is a huge area, particularly when it in, involves religious yes. uh, hazards to this. Um, okay. I genuinely have, you know, when I, I go from being that vet that said, oh, I don't know if I could handle doing euthanasia to now feeling that it is a privilege that I have, that I can mm. avoid animals having to suffer yeah. unnecessarily. Needlessly, yeah. yeah. And also, you know, and I take, you know, I try to do a little bit of bereavement counselling both before the event and after it and say to people, mm. you are not being cruel here. You are being yeah. the opposite of cruel. Yeah. Life has become a burden to your animal. Yeah. Actually, I can remember once doing, doing a lecture to students and it was actually role play we were doing. Um, and they were faced with having to persuade this lady to have her cat put down. Yeah. And what I did, it was actually an actress that I I, I stepped in and I I said to the lady, I said, have you ever had a very, very wish you could die hangover? Yeah. And there was a wry smile from the whole audience. (laughs) And this lady did say yes. Yeah. I said, could you imagine if you Mm. were going to feel like that for the rest of your days? Every morning you woke up, you were going to have that pounding headache. Yeah. Not wanting to get out of bed. Yeah. And just wishing that you weren't here. Yeah. That's what a dog or a cat renal failure feels like. Yeah, okay. That's a very good analogy, I think. Yeah. So, again, it it goes to not only should you be treating humans as you would be treated yourself. Yeah. Yeah. but, But also animals. Animals as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, is there something you mentioned to me early on as well, I think, which was quite an interesting thing. So, you know, somebody's at home, they've got a sick dog or a sick cat. Um, often some of the things that you do is you, you they can call call you and you will say, send me a photo. Yes. This um, is where social yeah. media and, and WhatsApp is a boon. Yeah. You know, um, I, I have got on, I haven't really sort of pushed it, but I, I have, as an offering, got video consults that I can yeah. do. Um, I charge 17 17 dollars uh, yeah 17 dollars for them if that was yeah. then going to convert into a home visit yes. i then discount 17 off 
Yeah, well, that sounds very, very, uh, you know, very, very but, fair. So, uh, but okay. it, 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 you know, it, it is something that I could possibly be starting to promote. Yeah. And, okay. you know, again, I can't always be guaranteed to be able to do it immediately. But no. It, it, you know, there are, there are, you know, there's a few cases where people will get really panically because they'll see a tiny little scratch on their dog and do yeah. I need to take them on the ferry to... Yeah, yeah, and that, that, that a lot of that, what they're looking for is, yeah, is it the right thing and the wrong thing? It's, it's, a, it's just I would pay $17 for yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah. You know, but, the, you know, the key things that I always get, fear is the, the blot bladder syndrome is quite yeah. a common one. An animal yeah. is, especially males... Um, yeah. cats in particular struggling to pass urine that means a blocked yeah. bladder which in turn will shoot the kidneys to pieces and that should be dealt with fairly quickly, quickly. Yeah. the other okay. one is sudden bloating in dogs basically torsion of the stomach right okay some sort of gastric uh, yeah basically the stomach twist, twists in itself yeah, it, it can only the animal will only be saved if it's taken into a clinic immediately yeah, and of course snake bites an operation Snake bites is another thing. If ah, you feel okay. that your your yeah. your your dog has been bitten by a snake, yes, contact a clinic immediately. Try, if possible, to either get a photograph of the snake yeah. or use the snake book. Yeah, yeah. I'm promoting all these books. Here. Yes, use the snake book. Uh, use the snake book to, here Vibe, to, yeah. to, to, to try and identify the snake. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. and because that will help. The yeah. clinics say, right, you need to get it in. Yeah, if it's venomous. Uh, uh, it will also, it, you know, it's also limited clinics mm. that hold stock of antivenom because yeah. it has very short shelf life and is yeah. also very expensive. SPC is always the, probably the safest bet. Yeah. So, okay. again, some advice for, yeah. for people there. Yeah. Okay, and then, uh, so one other thing that strikes me as well there's a lot of people um, repatriating at the moment to their varying countries. And so they've got animals here and they want to ship them out. Would you be a good person to talk to regarding... Yes, I am doing a lot of that work at the moment. Yeah. Um, the scale of simplicity varies from South Africa that is practically impossible at the moment. Right. Um, they are very specific about a blood test that has to be done and the lab that it has to be run at. And I believe, unless somebody can correct me on this, that it is a lab in South, in South Africa that is currently closed because of COVID restrictions. Uh, okay. So that block blocks the door. The next yeah. trickiest are uh, probably Australia and um, New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, you're looking certainly with Australia, it's a minimum of six months. Your dog has had to have had a, a fairly recent rabies injection, probably within the last eighteen months. Then has to have a blood test. Right. If it passes that blood test, you still have to wait six months. Right. Okay. Move the dog. Easiest, Canada. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a good. That's a well-trodden route between Hong Kong and Canada. So, Canada is yeah. fairly simple. EU yeah. stroke UK, lot of bureaucracy mm. and paperwork to get okay. through, but again, possible. Very difficult to do unaccompanied. You would have to mm. try and either have a friend be, travel with the dog. Yes. Uh, I, I won't bore bore you with the details, but no. it, all come, it all comes down to the logistics of having to do a pre-flight check and get it verified by the EFCD. Yeah. But anybody that you know, okay. I'm more than happy to give advice about that. I would. It, yeah. it can take a bit of time, so I would have to put some sort of fee on advice that I give. No, no, absolutely. I, th I think yeah, it's really just a, a question. I think for the listeners can they talk to you about it i'm sure they would be more than happy to pay for the advice that you would yeah. give on where they the other thing i utterly stipulate yeah. is that i will not take legal liability it's up to owners yeah. to do all the research yeah. either use an agent who will take liability yeah 
or do all the research yourself. Yeah. I will then work with your agent or yourself and say, right, you've got this paperwork, this is what it yeah. says we need to do, but it's up to you to make sure that I'm you know yeah. that we've covered everything. Yeah. You know, that that is a definite stipulation. The okay. other thing the big issue at the moment is availability of flights. Yeah, of course. Particularly yeah. Australia yeah. and linked into that, once the animals get to Australia they have to go into quarantine. Yeah. For ten days. Right. And linking your flight to the quarantine. Yeah, okay. I, I, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with an Australian one at the moment that I'm working in uh, both with the owner and the agent. And, oh, it's getting the flights that are the nightmare. Yeah. Even right. getting to Canada, it's flights. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's good. It's good just to know that you can advise in that area, I think, and yeah. that you certainly you can advise on current situations with animals. And you have very good links with, um, you know, Ockers and Tails mm. and SPCA. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, and certainly going back to my Facebook page, I have mm. done a few bits and pieces about pet relocation. Yeah. Including the most gorgeous video of a dog that uh, ended up back in Sweden recently. Uh, and it was ah, started okay. with the dog here. Yeah. And the, yeah. the girl, that, the daughter is staying behind. Brilliant. And so there was the dog going on the plane yeah, and then yeah. the father meeting the dog in Amsterdam wow. and then the dog landing in Sweden and the, the, the family good. at the airport seeing it and then yeah. oh I had to reach for tissues when she sent me the video and that you know they finished with the dog in Sweden dog had never been off DB looking at this world that was nothing but grass and space wow. and just go I can't believe this. <laughs> yeah, Fabulous. yeah, yeah. So even the animals are getting better holidays than we are these days. <laughs> yeah, you know, certainly. Yeah. You know, the it, repatriation. It, yeah. Repatriation of, yeah. of, of pets. It, it is very tricky. But yeah. That video shows you that it is worth Doable. it. Doable. Yeah, yeah. We here at Vibe have uh, a stack of your business cards, yep. and so you can come to Vibe. We will put you in touch with Rona. Yeah, so absolutely. Doctor Rona Buchanan. Yeah, I'm, I, uh, the one thing I would say is my website is down at the moment, and my uh, I'll also add in my safest uh, email is Rona Buchanan at btinternet.com. Okay, so okay. Rona Buchanan at btinternet.com. Good old BT. Yeah. Okay, so that Fine. just remains for me to say. Thank you very much, Raina. It has been an absolute pleasure. You can listen to all our podcasts published at SoundCloud under Gauss or on YouTube under Live at Vibe HK or following the links from my website at vibehk.com. Finally, a reminder that Vibe is open seven days a week every day of the year from 12 noon until approximately 6.30pm. Well, that's it for another week. Thanks for listening to the 27th Vibe Book and Music Shop podcast called Vibrations. I'm Gary Brightman. You get my vibe? Can you imagine what this old island must have looked like to those Dutch sailors when they first saw it? Fresh green. Like a dream of a new world. They must have held their breath. Afraid it would disappear before they could touch it.